0: Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. Good morning, everyone. This morning is my pleasure to introduce Yosef, a.k.a. Advancing in the IAS community. And he's going to share his recovery story with us. Welcome. How are you doing this morning?
1: Phenomenal, man. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: Oh man, it's my pleasure, my pleasure. And if you want, go ahead and tell everybody a little about yourself, and let's get into your story.
1: Sure. So my name is Youssef. I am uh, advancing on the IAS app this morning, probably about an hour and a half away. Today is ironically my six month anniversary of being alcohol free. Boom! And-
0: congratulations.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you. Yes, I'm really excited about that. So my story. You know, I, 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 as you share, as you mentioned, sharing my story, I, I feel like it has, it has several iterations. But my, my story with my current alcohol-free journey, I would say started really on New Year's Eve. So New Year's Eve, I spent, I was joined, I was, I joined a couple friends of mine. Or when I say a couple, like they are a couple, but they had a house party for New Year's Eve. One of my best friends. Anthony and we were both you know that we were out in the back his backyard and he was grilling and you know they had drinks and everything and I was sharing with him I was just like man you know I've really just been thinking about like just taking a break from alcohol man like it's just I'm just you know I'm not there now me and Anthony went to high school together so we've we've literally been drinking together for years but I live in New York He lives in Florida, so we don't see each other as much. I only see him now when when I go to Florida or when he comes to New York, which actually he was just here. And um, he was like, yeah, you know, I've been feeling the same way. He's he's had a lot of changes that has that have been brought about in his life. And so we had a conversation and he was like, yo, let's just start the year off taking 30 days, like just started off with the 30 day doing a 30 day reprieve. I was like, all right, cool. And then I'm 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 tipsy, right? So I'm already in my in my my confidence bag. So I'm like, you know, yo, let's just do sixty days. And uh, he's like, all right, bet. So fast forward, you know, I'm originally from Philadelphia, and but I live in New York. But I'm a I'm a big Eagles fan, and so the Eagles, you know, ended up going to the Super Bowl. But obviously, along the way, we won the NFC East, and uh, you know, I had I went down to Philly and I. Uh, I, I had I had a drink. I had, I had a drink with my family, right? So one of the things, one of the sort of anchors of my relationship with alcohol was connected to family, right? So there's this there's, there's different social sort of environments through which I had a greater opportunity to connect with al- alcohol and or smoking, smoking, well, weed. And uh, so this time, the you know went down there. The Eagles, you know, we got champagne, celebrating, yada, yada, yada. Came back, and Anthony calls me maybe about a week or so before the 60th day. The 60th day of, uh, that we were supposed to be having this alcohol-free journey. And uh, so he's like, yeah, man, you know, we're, we're coming to the end. How, how's it going? How's it been for you? And I said, man, you know, and I, I went into this, this excuse train. Not even an excuse train, but I just basically shared with him, like, yeah, man, I actually had some drinks. You know, I went down and celebrated with my family, you know, the Eagles. And he was like, you know, he was just really quiet for a minute. And um, he didn't say anything. And then he says, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, it's all good, man. Actually, I'm not surprised. Now, mind you, that that was the first gut punch. Now, mind you, my friend Anthony is a master at uh we used to call it his Jedi mind tricks, right? He's really good at just sort of, you know, getting you to sort of think in a way that he wants you to think. It's really masterful, actually. So I'm like, okay, that was cute. Here he is, this guy, he's trying to make me, he's trying to make me feel bad, I get it, I deserve it, yada, yada. But then, this was when the liver punch came. So shortly after that, he says, well, first he says, you know what, man, yeah, I'm not surprised, right? But in, my, at, at that, at that, in that moment, I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. But then right after that, he says, but you know what? Actually, I am surprised. And that was like the liver punch. And it wasn't a liver punch because it wasn't a liver punch of sort of the reality of it. But maybe it was. But it, in that moment, I came to sort of see myself as a person whose word didn't mean anything. I came to see myself as a person who's, who is and would be regarded by others as a person whose word didn't mean anything. And that didn't sit with me well at all. So I, I, you know, I I, I apologized to him and I was like, look, I'll recommit, you know, you guys did it uh, because it was him and his wife that did it together. So I was like, you guys did it, I'll recommit to doing 30 days and then at the end of the 30 days I will circle back and just you know because at the time I was like damn I he did 60 I should be doing 60 but let me at least give myself the 30 and so that was the beginning of my current reprieve right but beyond that that incident as a catalyst my relationship with alcohol has just been an insidious one. Like I've been drinking since probably like 1920, maybe 20. And it's just been a slow creep. So I've never had a reprieve from alcohol for excuse me, back in 2019, I did take a break. I took I told myself I was going to do 30 days and I ended up getting to like Ended up getting to like day 80, right? Because after the 30 days, I was like, "Uh, this feels kind of good. Let me just see where this goes. And I ended up getting to like day 80. And then it was, I even went to New Orleans, right? I was in New Orleans and I didn't have a drink. I went to, I went to Philadelphia. And sure enough, it was, either, it was either for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. I can't remember which one. And again, my family in Philly, we're, we're drinkers and smokers. Like, that's what we do when we get together. And I had the drink. And I remember thinking, like, wow, I just threw away 80 days of, of... at that time, I wasn't regarding, I, didn't, I wasn't using the term sobriety. So I was just thinking, like, 80 days of an alcohol-free period that I literally just threw away. And I'm like, this is, it was uneventful. And there was even like a, a recognition of like, almost a shame of like, wow, like you, you, you did all of that work to come to this moment. And this, this is the, this was the, 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 the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But I think the difference between that 80 days and where I am now is that I think I integrated an educational component. Right. So when I first started this 30 days, boom, I just started reading. I started following all of these alcohol-free blogs. I started the IES, the I Am Sober community. And that I think made the difference. Like it I think it really sort of put me over the top because I was able to see, you know, reading, I'm you're well aware, reading people's day zeros and day ones, and there is an unquantifiable magic that happens when you engage people's stories and shares and offerings and it's yes it's it's, I would say it's almost therapeutic I mean if anyone who needs therapy please go to see a professional don't don't use the IES as a substitute for therapy that's not what I'm sharing but but it's, it's it's significant right depending on you know your relationship with the post so so yeah, that's 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 part of the that's part of my 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 story up to this point.
0: So getting sober, were you waking up with moments of guilt, shame, remorse, all of, all of that stuff, and just not wanting to go on with alcohol? Did you did you go through that process?
1: Yes and no. So my entry point into my relationship with alcohol. Or, or the sobriety journey was probably a little bit different than many other folks. So, for example, when I read people's posts on the IES and the IES community, you know, I see people who are, you know, had, they, a lot of them, a lot of folks had, had DUIs. A lot of folks have, you know, had these, like, these quote-unquote rock bottoms, right? And what's interesting about this notion of a rock bottom, it actually goes to this whole idea of like how much of an alcoholic is an alcoholic right This there's, there's sort of a there's sort of levels to it it would appear based off of one' circumstances. but really and truly it, it's all the same, right? And what I mean by that is so my entry point didn't consist of having. The quote unquote traditional rock bottoms that are associated with alcoholism. But I had the rock bottoms that, in my estimation, are even more dangerous because I call them like death by a thousand cuts. It's like you don't, you're not aware that you have a problem in comparison to the person who gets nine DUIs in nine months, right? There's a much more clear, like, okay, you got to do something to change. But then there's a whole, populace of folks who who are functioning alcoholics. They go to work. It, nothing in their life has sort of broken down to the point that will create alarm either for themselves and or others that others are able to see. I was in that category of people, right? And so my rock bottoms, I think, were just a lack of a a reduction of of vitality a reduction of of clarity a reduction of um of health it 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 may not have been any one sort of drastic dynamic but they were there for sure but i say yes and no because yes i I had that where i was quote unquote functional but i can also at least coming into you know, leading up to the time where I decided to take that reprieve or participate in that exercise with my friend, there was definitely a recognition, like, okay, my relationship is out of balance here. So I don't know. I I don't know if I can say that I I was experiencing like a whole lot of shame, guilt, at least on a conscious level. Maybe on a subconscious level, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure that I was, but on a conscious level, not really. I think it was just so insidious, like it just because that's what addiction does. Right. It makes you justify your your relationship to things. Right. And you 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 make up narratives. You 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 believe your own stories of your ego. You know, so I would say there was a it was probably a balance of that. Of the of the shame and guilt experience.
0: I'm glad you just said all of that because that brings us to what the matrix has us believing that you don't have a problem until you're under a bridge or you're experiencing jail, prison, all these consequences. There's underlying consequences. And for you, it was, you know, vitality, health, these other underlying things. But I, I personally believe that the majority of people that are suffering with with alcohol issues is the people that don't know it right it's not the people in the jails and prisons i think they're the minority and the majority yeah. people just don't know
1: yeah yeah absolutely you know one of the places that i saw this this or well, that notion was in was in las vegas so you talked about the Matrix earlier. I I, re- I went to Vegas. I can't even remember what day it was. I went to Vegas and it was May 15th. So my brother lives out there and it was his birthday. It was his 30th birthday. So I flew out to Vegas for his birthday. Now, I'd never been to Vegas before, right? So it was my first time in Vegas. And so that was, let me see. So my, March 2nd, March, April, May. So I probably, would, yeah, I was like at 90 something days around that point. And so I, I went obviously sober. So I was able to process the experience and with a different lens than I would have otherwise. And what I saw was very Matrix-like. Like it, it, it all seemed like this manufactured, almost like Disney, this manufactured environment you know, you walk into these like larger than life structures, you know, these hotels and the casinos, which the only time you see those is if you're going to like some cathedral in Europe or like some museum. Right. But it's all there. It's all designed to to invoke like a, a feeling within you. Right. Uh, but you go into these larger than life structures and then it's like a sea of dopamine, lights, sounds, sh- you know, just dopamine, just spike after spike after spike. And it's all, all of that is sort of, you know, within that, it's like alcohol. Like I saw people sitting at, you know, slot machines, almost lifeless, you know, being brought ashtrays and drinks just so they could sit there and and make poor decisions. And I, I later learned that they even pump like Carbon dioxide, I think, in the environment or something and get people to sit there longer or something. But everything is just sort of designed for you to just sit there and just make poor decision, poor economic decisions in the case of 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 the alcohol and or weed, because weed was there was big as well. But just the intentionality of it all, like you might say, oh, that's just Vegas. Well, no, Vegas was a microcosm of the macro that we live in, right? Cuz I I see a lot of the same similar dynamics here in New York. Vegas was just like like it was I I've, I've never seen such a concentration of it, right? But even living in New York City, I see it all the time. Like you oh, another example, you were talking about how the manufacturers make alcohol sexy. So for a minute, George Clooney owns I guess he has some ownership or some equity or some stake. And, uh, and so they ran this huge campaign and all of the billboards at Tom Square and all throughout the city where you seen Clooney, you know, he's riding on a motorcycle in some far off, whatever. I don't, I don't even know where, what country they were in, but all these sort of romanticized images, you know, of people they're in like this wheat field and they're all, making a toast to tequila and it's like all happy and merry. And and this is not a, a dig at George Corny, um, but it's just an illustration of the intentionality that these manufacturers use to, to get people enlisted and become participants in this insane relationship with alcohol. And I don't say that as a place as from a position of judgment of the people who participate because I was a par- participant, a willing participant for decades, right? So it's not a judgment for for the choices that people make, but it's just sort of an observation of the dynamic that we are experiencing where we I say we, I mean the people, the the, the citizens of this nation, what we're subjugated to, and it's I was sharing with you earlier. I have a I have a chip on my shoulder about it. I still have to work through because I feel like the disdain that I have towards it is is more, it's only hurting me, right? So I gotta figure out a way to, you know, to navigate that without allowing myself to 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 carry this this sort of disdain or this 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 energy that is just not serving. But but yeah, it's very matrix-like. As we, as we were discussing earlier before recording, to me, it's borderline criminal. I, I don't even think we, have, we can really appreciate the magnitude of the way that we are, are targeted, right, as consumers. There's a book. It's called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And in this book, one of the things that he talks about is that they consult with neurologists and or people who have an understanding of how to get to the pleasure centers of your brain, right? So they're that strategic and that intentional. So for their marketing and advertising from the colors to the way that we're presented with the advertisement or the marketing content or whatever it is, it's all designed to hit the pleasure centers of your brain, which is as addictive as like cocaine or or sugar. Right, ironically, sugar cocaine, you know, and I mean, so the advantage is clear, right? Like who has the greater resources, capacities? you know, the average person is not does not necessarily have an awareness surrounding a neurological understanding of how their their brain works or operates, right? But you know, there's a reason why. We can all get on Facebook or IG and scroll for like an hour, and then come out of like this sort of this sort of fog or dreamlike state of like, wow, where did the time go? That's because that swiping is all de- all of those neurological aspects of the functionality. Like it's all there, and it's all designed to just just keep you dopamine, dopamine, whether it's from the liking. Uh, whether it's from the the design whether it's from the color it's all strategic
0: and your brain actually change you yeah. like lose synapses that are important to you kids family jobs and and, and this goes with any addiction because yeah. our brains are designed to to change that's neuroplasticity yeah. so all of a sudden we're building these swiping neuron connections we're building these new pathways And I'm late for dropping my kid off at the bus stop, or I'm late getting into work because I got lost in my time scrolling. And they knew exactly what they were doing before all of this was developed. They even discussed it, that they were going to have the world mindlessly scrolling. So they have the best minds in the world, neuroscience, scientists, psychologists, you name it. Even in the medical field, they know exactly what's going on with, with all of this. And, we be, and we, it's an entrapment. They entrap us. I, man, yes. Yes, exactly. And,
1: and, and, and again, one of the things that I saw in Vegas, and it was so clear to me, people sitting at the slot machines or, or whatever game of choice, the one consistent theme that I saw amongst folks is that there was a disconnection, right? There was an absence of them actually being present. It's almost like they were just going through the motions. So to your point about entrapment, I think that, yeah, I think that it's, it's I, I think the, the promotion of alcohol, I think it's partly due to an intentionality to have people be disconnected from themselves.
0: And is what's worse is they built it into our cultures, right? Because when you become a age and you become a man, now you get to drink, right? They planted yes. this into your mind instead yes. of having other things that you could become. Once you hit 21, all of a sudden you get to drink and, and then you begin that process too. If you haven't, let's get into your, your journey, right? I didn't meet you on IAS. The first time I, I saw you was on a zoom. I think a rewired zoom. And I was like, wow, because even Dan, I was like, just fascinated how well you were able to describe what you're going through. And then I saw you in our Silvertown Facebook community, and that's when I started seeing your posts. Let's go into these posts because you have a really cool evolution of a little bit of what I've got to see. So day 89, you talk about having insights. That are like downloads, and you you said you had no idea how to address all of these challenging aspects of yourself you've been suppressing with alcohol. you had a sense that there was much more insights to come, and you had no tangible path, putting one foot in front of the other, so that was like right around three months. Tell us a little bit about your journey, so I think at that point i was beginning to have
1: the awareness about like I had gotten past like, okay, I'm I, well, I'm near 90 days, and you know, that, that there's this, I think, I think that there's sort of, some people may have this idea that like, oh, you do 30 days and like all of a sudden, like, it's going to be unicorns and, 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 and rainbows. And so I fell into that, you know, subscribing to that notion. But I think I, it was around that time when I began to recognize that the, or connect or have an appreciation for the idea that my relationship with alcohol was essentially me just suppressing aspects of myself that I either didn't like or didn't want to deal with. And now I'm getting sort of a bird's eye view or a lot of that, those things that I had been suppressing for so long were beginning to come up. Right for me to to deal with, and it's like okay, I don't necessarily have the tools to the, to deal with all of these things. So I think it was just sort of a, a, a recognition uh of that. But I also think that you know, like I I, I haven't haven't engaged into therapy regarding addiction, but I, I think that tools are sort of cultivated just by like our engagement with the community, being able to hear other people's testimonies, being able to hear other, I think in, in almost like I was sharing earlier, like it's at least within the, I am sober community. It's almost, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's almost kind of therapeutic in that regard. So I'm still trying to figure out, I, I i got a, I got a couple points right now within me that I'm trying to like, okay, I got a you know, figure out how to like what needs to shift within me. Who I need to become? How I need to expand? So it's, it's it's definitely been a constant process of discovering aspects of myself that, had I been drinking, I probably wouldn't have taken the time to look at. And yeah, so sharing what I, that that sharing that particular post was just sort of speaking to those challenges.
0: I really like what you said there. You really don't know where you're going. You're just going to kind of put one foot in front of the other.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love that. that's that's sort of one of the, the 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 tenets I think of people on the sobriety journey, and that's that's really all we have, right? We we can only control. And I I, I know for myself, I I tend to want to have like this clear path of. I mean, if we all had a clear a, a reflection or some indication of like, okay, if if I do A, B, C, D, I'll get to Z. 99.9% of us would do all of the steps that are involved to get to Z. That said, because we don't have that insight, right? I think that there's a, I think that's where we can, it's, it's sort of easy to get lost in the sauce, if you will. And so being able to You know, just focus on the next best thing or the next moment, you know, doing the next best thing. You know, if you do that, obviously enough over a long enough period of time, you'll get to a good place. Right. And it sounds cliche. You know, you've heard that like in a personal development space or what have you. But I think the the principle is is a very sound one. Right. I'm not trying to. Okay, I don't necessarily have the answer for what's going to happen next month or next week or even tomorrow. But what, I, what can I control right now within this moment, right? And then allow that to lead me to the next moment, right? Sometimes it has to be broken down like that. It could be a moment-by-moment moment thing. I see that from a lot of folks within the community as well. Like, they, they, they don't have any idea of how they're going to get to the end of the day, uh, much less tomorrow. And so being able to break it down in, in the micro and just focus on what you can control right now in this moment is I just, I, I just think it's a very sound principle and I found it to be useful when I, when I'm able to do it. I don't always do it. I, I, I still participate in trying to have it all figured out. And you know what I mean? I'm, I'm still very much a, 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 a participant of that, of that way of thinking.
0: I want to back up a little bit too, because, you know, those neural pathways, we built we do have cravings so and we can be manipulated really easy like you were during the super bowl you got around families and boom you drank and you didn't make it to your 60 days but did you have cravings uh in the beginning
1: oh yeah i still have them i have them all the time i have them yeah like i haven't had any overwhelming cravings where i'm like "Mm." But I definitely have them. And I was like, I'm like, again, I live in New York city. So alcohol is such a pervasive part of the culture here. It's, it's integrated, built into, you can't get away from it. Right. And I'm in any, any, in all aspects of life, obviously New York is, has different, so many different types of communities, but every single last one of them involves some relationship with alcohol. But yeah, the cravings are absolutely there. Um, my 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 sense is that at some point they will subside. But I will say that I'm i I feel like you know with every experience or circumstance where I I, I look at craving, you know, I, I face a craving, a craving. I acknowledge it, and you know, continue to make the decision to not drink. That I'm I'm just forging, you know that. Anchor within me that 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 mountain of self trust that will just continue to allow me to navigate any other cravings and or situations where I might have an inclination to drink.
0: That is so powerful. What you just said—you acknowledge the craving. I, I've been mentioning that to to people. Think through the thoughts. Acknowledge the craving, and that helps dissipate it, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because if we like I'm and I'm still not really clear on what this term white knuckle, but I've heard this term of white knuckle sobriety where just like people are just sort of trying to willpower their way through. And, you know, willpower may work for for some folks that feel like David Goggins or (laughs) Jocko Willick or something. But for the rest of us, you know, for the rest of us mere mortals, it may be a little bit more than willpower. And that's where I, I encourage people or I would encourage people to really think with like real depth of vision about the different strategies and approaches that that can will be useful for your personal experience. I, one, of the, one of the strategies that I've been engaged in is creating a, a compelling list of whys, right, and then having that accessible to me another sort of personal development mastermind that I was a part of uh, some time ago where it was encouraged for us to um, create eyes. And, and this was more towards like goals and, 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 and other initiatives, but create a compelling list of whys and then take that. So, so let's say you have 10 of them and then maybe take the top three, go to FedEx or some copy place and laminate them. And then carry them around with you in your pocket, right? So when you're at, at line at the supermarket, even if you don't pull it out and look at it, just knowing that it's in your pocket, like there's a there's a a physiological, or well maybe not physiological, but there's a, a a a a correlation or a connect a connection that happens between what's being what you have your your compelling reason. And you're thinking about it, right? So it's almost like the suggestion. You're creating a new neurological link, if you will. Yeah, it's but a
0: neurological.
1: It, yeah, exactly. But it's definitely just coming up with strategies to, to, to keep things like top of mind or... well, it, it may not even be top of mind for you, but I think it's just important for all of us to just be incredibly mindful of not just trying to take it just on willpower alone because willpower is finite and... You know, you run out of gas, you run out of gas, and then now you're sort of susceptible to whatever inclinations are at hand.
0: You found yourself to where you had that revelation. You had no word, no self-trust with your friend and his wife when you didn't meet that 60-day requirement, that deal you guys had. Were you able to use that in your mind as a reminder, hey, I don't want to go through that again. Uh, I want to get through this next 30 days or whatever.
1: Absolutely. 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 Because this it's a it, I I was because I was I was so connected to the idea of not wanting to be a man of my word and not wanting to be regarded as a person whose word didn't mean anything. And ironically, they were just in town last week. They were visiting, they were they were here for a friend's baby shower in Long Island. But we went out to dinner and the night we went out to dinner I met them at this this lounge, right, in New York City, is like a rooftop, and again, it was like the environment with all of the triggers, right? So everyone was drinking. It's incredible view of the city, you know. Good music, right? That's 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 what these environments do. They play they they play music to you know they find all the ways to tap into you, and then we went to. Well, they were going to go to dinner and I, I, I've been fasting another one of the great another sort of great benefit of of alcohol or, or abstaining from alcohol is that it's engaged me or incentivized me to learn a lot more about my body and so fasting has sort of been a byproduct of that so I, I fast every in fact I'm fasting right now I'll be able to break my fast in an hour but I, I fast now once a week but They were going to dinner, and I was like, you know, I'm fasting. So, you know, I'll just say goodbye to you guys. And they are like, oh, just come hang out with us and come sit. And, you know, you don't have to eat, but just come sit with us. We we go to Tao. Tao is like one of the dopest restaurants in New York. And it got all of this food coming out. And, uh, you know, it was like six of us at the table, and they're like, man, just, you know, just go ahead and eat. And I was thinking about it. Like the next day, I mean, the food looked amazing, and I, it was even a thought where I was tempted to be like, "Man, my friends are in town. You know, I don't get to see them. We don't get to share a meal often. This food is beautiful, it looks amazing. Yeah, like why not? Just just have some." And I was like, "Yeah, no, let me just s- stick with my commitment." But the next day, I reflected on it, and I was thinking about, had I taken a bite of that food that night? It would have me. It would have been me engaging in the same sort of casual, showing up to myself casually. It was so. It was, it's like now I'm just I'm 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 violating a commitment to myself, and when you do that enough times over a long enough period of time, you're compromised. Like you can't, you don't, you don't have the capacity to trust yourself. If you don't have the capacity to just trust yourself, how do you think you're going to present yourself to the world? Even on a subconscious level, so I'm glad that I did it, right? Because that's what got me here in the first place. <laughs> Making just being really casual about my word, and just like, oh, and so I don't. I, I recognize that that's not who I want to be, and that's not how. That's not an attribute or characteristics that I that I want to embody or have. And I think it just makes us weaker. Right. You know, when we break our word to ourselves, because at the end of the day, yeah, they would have been they wouldn't have thought of anything about it. Oh, yeah. You said, yeah, great. He, he had some food, but I would have had to have come home and look myself in the mirror and I would have known that. I. Was just casual with the commitment to myself. So what does that say about who or how I see myself?
0: That is so powerful. Yusuf, that is so powerful, because at the end of the day, it's not about them, it's about us and connecting to ourselves, and not compromising. And you're not only learning how to not do it with alcohol, you're learning how to keep your word to yourself in other areas. Which you're, you're really learning to trust yourself, man. You're just like, at six months, you're just killing it, my friend. You're just, I'm just like, boom. Congratulations God. on that, so then let's get over to like a hundred and six days into your recovery you you went onto a zoom and it was you guys were talking about coming out, and you know that kind of ironically, you said you would just put up a post on your i g account and because you're gonna meet up at a a convention, is that what it was?
1: Well, I had put a post up on my IG account and I can't remember if that was before. I think that was before the conference. I can't remember if it was before or after the conference. It
0: it says before, yeah. I think you said in here, you didn't want people looking at you like as a a person with a problem with alcohol.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that was just a dynamic and I think I was sharing with you earlier. The same way that I, I I. I was sharing, like, I feel guided. Like, it's so so weird, the downloads or the ways that I'm just sort of spoken to and just sort of guided along. But I don't know where that came from, but something was like, put this post up. And, you know, but even in that moment, I had resistance to it because that was like the judgment. Like, how are people going to see me? How are, you know? I think one of the reasons that alcohol is so pervasive is so normalized within our culture is it's almost like a a all or nothing sort of dynamic. Right. You either drink. And you're 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 a drinker, a, a functioning alcoholic, essentially. Or you're an alcoholic skid row, you know, and people have this sort of association of like oh he just couldn't handle his life or you know you know what i mean and so i think i was mindful or apprehensive about the type of judgment that would come as a result of me making that share and i'm 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 glad that i allowed myself to do it because there was a part of me that was like eh, yeah why are you doing that you don't need to do it but i'm glad that i did it because it actually served I mean, it was it was it was multifaceted in terms of the benefits, but one, the support was like outstanding. And I was I was I was honored to have a community of folks that and these are outside of I am sober community, but to have a community of folks who were that invested in my well being to to be encouraging or to offer themselves as like, yo, if you ever need anything. And I, I never, you know, I didn't, I, I've never, I mean, some people, I guess, like I said, my, you know, I didn't have DYS, but yeah, like there, there, there are certain people within my timeline who, you know, I've definitely probably blacked out or they've seen me go a little bit over the top, but like none of them, I, I don't think would have ever just, Assume that like I had a, a drinking problem, right? Or my relationship with alcohol was out of balance. So, but it also served as an opportunity to to have conversations with people. Like people's curiosity was is always peaked. And then as I was as we were discussing earlier, when when those opportunities arise, then now I can share in such a way that allows for them to or allows for our conversation to serve as a catalyst for them to assess and or evaluate take inventory of their own relationship with alcohol or drugs or otherwise and it's it's really been interesting to see how the level of 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 curiosity that people have and i can sense that even though they may not communicate i can sense that In in many cases, our conversation is just again serving as that catalyst for them to reflect on their own thing, and it's like, and like I said, I think that's probably had been the case for myself on on an unconscious level. If I I thought deeply enough about it, I'm sure I could identify enough situations. But so yeah, that 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 post was really significant in my in my journey. One, it created it created some sense of accountability. Cause I I think that there was a I think that there was a part of me that was that I had like some shame surrounding it and I didn't know how to deal with that. Shame in terms of like having a, a, a relationship with alcohol that was out of balance but still existing in the world where people just thought everything was okay. Right. And I think that's another thing. Another dynamic that, you know, people whose relationship with alcohol is out of balance, like many of us, especially the functioning ones, right? We know about the, the Ed, the wine or whatever, the guy in the gutter or, or, or who has the DUIs. But those of us who, you know, go through our day to day and there's no indication to the outside world, it's like we wear this mask. It's almost like you, you, you're living like a double life. And wearing that mask is heavy, right? Like, again, you're carrying that mask, you don't even realize how heavy it is until you take it off. And so that post was a taking off, like, right? I can, I can say, you know what? I mean, I didn't go into detail in the post. I just said I was taking a reprieve. So I didn't, it wasn't so much taking off the mask, but it was, it was at least a beginning point of saying, there's something here I'm looking at. And it's, I'm taking a reprieve from alcohol and you know so yeah it's not quite taking off the mask but at the same time it's, it's it's putting myself out there at least to the extent of letting people know where i was within that process
0: and then you have a realization too therefore i'm a sobriety ambassador with like four question marks like you're realizing hey i'm communicating with people on their journeys and what am i becoming and an ambassador for sobriety? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, again, that's been interesting as well. That that New Year's beginning of this year, I never would have saw myself or thought of myself in that way. But now I you know, as the more and more I, I learn about this dynamic, um, I just feel so inclined to, you know, I I I can almost say with certainty that part of my journey is to be or to be of service in that way. And, and I don't know what that looks like, but even if it's just having conversations with people about alcohol and not even from a like, a you shouldn't do this type of way, but just sharing in such a way where hopefully there's an opportunity that they can extract value and then integrate or be thoughtful about their own relationship. Like that in and of itself is
0: enough for me. So, here we are at three months twenty four days, and you say on here people share here often about how the days become easier over time. while I recognize the journey is subjective for everyone, I'm looking forward to being able to regard myself as being in that space. Were you going through maybe a hard time right uh, when you made that post? Was it kind of a difficult time
1: i Probably, to be honest with you, I'm not quite clear on, on where I was in that in that particular moment. But I think I was speaking to just how I perceived everyone else. to Like, you know, I'm reading people's posts and they're like, you know, oh, I've been 30 days or 60 days and I got a new job. I got a new house. I got a new spouse. I've got, you know, and I didn't feel like I was experiencing any of that like none of that stuff was sort of coming into my experience at least that I that I had recognized so maybe i i i think that that might have been part of the dynamic i was speaking to
0: and you know you you mentioned on there about pink cloud in my reflection on this notion i was brought to my recent slippery slope tendency to compare my journey to those of others hearing the many shares about folks losing 30 pounds getting new jobs, homes, finding their partners, soulmates, et cetera, has me, like you were just saying, none of this is happening for me. So you got into to like this comparison mode.
1: Yeah, which is dangerous. And and because I I mean, I would love to encourage all of the listeners and I still do it, right? I think that's just a tendency of of where we are as a society, right? Especially with like social media and, and all of the mediums of information that are presented to us, like it's very easy to sort of compare your journey to others. But I think that's always gonna be a very challenging battle. I don't wanna say it's gonna be a losing battle, but it's always gonna be challenging because you're always gonna be able to identify somebody who is doing something that you're not or doing something in a better way that you would or otherwise. Yeah, I I still haven't figured out that 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 part yet, but absolutely that comparing my journey to everyone else's. Everyone's journey is subjective, right? You might go ninety nine years and never get any of those things that you may be reading about from somebody else within the community. But I think what's important is for us to identify well one within ourselves that. So I, I think early on in my process, one of the things that I, one of the sort of mantras that I came up with was at least I'm sober. So if I experience, if I'm going through some hardship or some, something sucks, I can say, well, at least I'm sober, right? It still sucks, but it's still I'm better than I was, say, 12 months ago. Having alcohol in my body and, and all of the, the, the damaging effects. So I now have clarity. My body is, is, is removed from or not, not having these toxins within it. So for me, that has been like my anchor, right? At least I'm sober. But I think that there, I think that we also have to be mindful about the expectation of what this journey will bring for us. And everybody's journey is going to be different. And if you if you hang your expectation on, I don't know, losing 30 pounds in 60 days, and then that doesn't happen, now you're only just setting yourself up to be disappointed. You're setting yourself up to potentially go back to, you know, that will be a catalyst to you justifying going back to drinking. It's just It just opens up a can of worms that is not ultimately serving. And so I think we really have to, create an anchor or or w- what has been useful for me right is to create an anchor a base foundation identifying some improvement to where i am so whatever is happening in my life i can always say at least i'm sober and have a knowing within myself that, that my being sober is an improvement Regardless of whatever it is that I'm experiencing,
0: I just think it's really cool that the evolution here first it's your the insights and downloads and then coming out and then on this this last one, realizing having comparisons because if you're still drinking, you probably wouldn't even be in this thought process of where you're examining yourself and taking the inventory, and that's why I kind of want to bring people through this journey with you because you've had these really cool insights as you've gone along. And then when you get it four months, nine days, you go to a family event. So here you are at another family event, right? And there's a different outcome than when you compromised during that first 60 days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but so, so my sister, my sister actually had a block party in Philly for the anniversary, anniversary of my nephew, her son, who was killed. My family in, in Philly, they always, they, 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 they go all out. So she had like a bouncy house and a pool thing and a bunch of tents. And again, our, our people, we, you know, we're drinkers and smokers, right? And so this was my first time in the city of Philadelphia, where I had not engaged in alcohol or smoking weed since I was a child, one that in and of itself is is, is pretty sad, but it's also it's, all, it's it's also wonderful. it was sad in, in in the reflection of like damn, you have not been within the state of Pennsylvania sober in decades, but it's wonderful like so in that part it's like eh. I can't control that, but it was wonderful And that it was sort of a redemption, right? Like being able to, she had a DJ, tense, all of the sort of the usual, all of the usual players. Like whenever I get with my family, like that's what we do. That's how we bond, right? That's another like narrative that, that is sort of, that we, that we, that we appropriate this idea of like alcohol is bonding and, you know, that's a whole nother topic. But yeah, like so being able to not participate in drinking, not engage. But have like coherent conversations with people, be clear, be present. That was that was that was really significant because I I, I didn't know what that experience would be like. So to be impulsed by wanting to drink, by all of the dynamics in the environment that were happening. And for that to be like my normal sort of ecosystem to engage or indulge. So for me to be able to refrain and abstain within that environment was huge. Like that, that was almost like a coming of age, if you will.
0: And your... In your post at the end, you say rebirth, and I love that. And then you mentioned that this was a significant milestone where you learned that you can have fun. Another, another yeah. evolution, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things that sobriety in, in the sobriety journey that I've sort of been challenged by is this idea of having to reimagine my life, right? Because you don't realize how much alcohol is integrated into your life until you remove it, right? And now, going back to what we were talking about earlier, having to now deal with these, these emotions or these things within us. And so, so much of my identity was connected to alcohol. You know, like friends were coming in to town, we're going to go have a drink. So now, what do you do when friends come to town? I have to reimagine, right? I have to, to 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 find or identify opportunities to connect with the city, to connect with them, to, and even to like how I identify like myself. So, yeah, that reimagination has has been really interesting. Just sort of navigating new ways of 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 connecting, and even just yeah like just just having to reimagine across the board has just been incredible it's kind uh, of
0: exciting isn't it
1: yeah yeah absolutely cuz Cause you cause you realize you, all of your previously held notions about like needing alcohol to 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 feel good were not true right they were they were beliefs that we that we held on to but they weren't true i don't need to to I don't, need a, I don't need a drink to have fun. I don't need a drink to, to be comfortable. I don't need a drink to enjoy myself. But I think at, a, at, a, at the root level, that's the belief. That's held: Alcohol equals fun. Alcohol equals enjoyment. You know, I need this to, to do that. And so that experience deconstructed and, and eradicated or at least smashed if it's not only for that moment, those beliefs, and I recognized like those beliefs were not even that they, they weren't
0: valid, they weren't real. Have you found yourself in a position where you knew there was only certain things that you would do drinking, and you challenged yourself to do them sober? Have you have you done that? Not really. Like for somebody, it may be as simple as dancing, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did dance at the barbecue or at the at the block party. Uh I danced a little bit. Not not anything crazy. But yeah, I, I haven't I haven't identified that per se, but I have I have taken on the challenge of being intentional about doing things that I'm uncomfortable doing, but I and I think that that has come from some of the clarity that I've had from not drinking. But but no, I haven't I haven't necessarily identified doing something that I otherwise wouldn't do if I were drinking.
0: So your last post on Sobertown Facebook group is five months, 24 days. That just recently happened. You went to Florida to hang out with some friends.
1: Yeah. Well actually I went to I went to I went to Florida uh to celebrate my brother's birthday, but I ended up so I was down there for like a week, but one of the days that I was down there, uh, I met up with those friends. And actually, ironically, uh, the friend who I was telling you about, Anthony, who was the person whose that experience served as the catalyst for all of this, he was one of the people that we met up with at, at Anna Maria Island.
0: So, and you say this gathering was in stark contrast to this time last year.
1: Yeah. So, so last year, my friend Chuck, he lives in D.C., but him, him and his wife, they come down to, or well, at least for the last couple of years, they've been coming down to Florida and renting, you know, like renting a house by the beach in Anna Maria Island, and then they have a bunch of us come over because you know we all we've all known each other since like high school and college. So, and there, so last year. Last year was crazy because I was down in Florida again for my brother's birthday. And yeah, my man Leo, shout out to Leo. He bought like this dope Japanese whiskey. I mean, last year we ended up, I was there all day and we ended up leaving probably around 1.30. I don't, I don't, because Anne Maria Island is about an hour and change away from Tampa. The next morning I went and went skydiving. For my brother's birthday, my brother wanted to go skydiving, and I barely remember it. I mean, I remember it, but I wasn't as present as I would have been otherwise, but yeah, it was a stark contrast just to the extent that it was just a total different experience last year i was I was drinking the whole day, I don't remember a ton of the interactions I wasn't as present like with his children this time I was very much engaged with his kids I was present to our conversations I was able to take and we went and saw this amazing sunset on Anna Maria Island and it was just it was just a, a completely different experience and they Chuck even brought like he brought an incredible scotch right for the occasion uh I'm I mean, you know, Leo also came and he brought, you know, these the Scotch and cigar drinkers, so or Scotch drinkers and cigar smokers. So, you know, but I didn't partake in any of it. And it felt even that felt great, right? Like just even recognizing my own capacity to refrain and not necessarily just given to the inclination was empowering. But yeah, that was that was definitely a significant trip because, I, as a, I have as a reference, those two, the contrast between those two similar but very different experiences.
0: And then you say in there, I'm still impulsive, still experiencing urges when when I'm in the presence of others drinking. I even still pay attention to liquor stores as I pass them. But then you go on, that said, I'm forging a mountain of self-trust within me that is serving as my new foundation for the framework of me. I'm building a case against the consumption of alcohol. That is an essential part of my new way of thinking. Then you go on, one of the aspects of this journey that I appreciate most is the opportunity it provides us to learn about ourselves in ways that we ourselves may have not. I mean that's really, really good stuff right there. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've really just become appreciative of what this journey has brought me in terms of being able to. I'm. I mean, we we're all we're learning about we're learning about ourselves in ways that we we otherwise wouldn't have, right? And so. You know, one of the, for example, one of the greatest principles that I've taken away from this process, well, I I won't say that this came from my journey with alcohol, but I've been able to integrate this principle within my journey of abstaining from alcohol. And that has been the one of responsibility, self-responsibility. And I, I probably thought I knew what that word meant. And now I, I still have a lot to learn about it. But I feel like I'm at the beginning stages of being, being a student of what that means. And with self-responsibility, it's operating from, prim, from a premise like everything is my fault. And so that my, all of all any any negative aspects of my life that I can point to about my relationship with alcohol. It's not the alcohol manufacturer's fault. It's not the guy who bought me shots, it's not the family members that I saw drinking over years or the friends that I saw drinking, everything comes down to me. And that's just been such an empowering way to engage this life experience because whenever I participate in a tendency to blame, oh, well, it's the manufacturer's fault because They put all these billboards up or they had these advertisements like, what am I supposed to do? I gotta go drink. Or it's the liquor store owner's fault. I'm actually making myself weaker. I'm actually removing my own agency. I'm removing my own ability to make decisions and choices for myself. So operating from the premise of everything is my responsibility, I put myself in a position to acknowledge the power that I have. And to recognize that nothing I don't want to say nothing, but the majority of the experiences in my life start with my choice and not the choices choices of others if that makes any sense. so
0: Absolutely. Uh, and that gets back to where you're saying you still have urges. Uh, you're still looking at alcohol, alcohol stores. You're still <laughs> you're aware of all of this stuff. Yeah, but being responsible for your choice, you're able to navigate past all of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely pay attention to the to the liquor stores, but which is 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 both weird and 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 <laughs> that's weird, right? Like, who does that? Like, I
0: <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> do you? Oh, okay. I do. I, do. I really? mean, th- these are it's ingrained. Yeah, and, you know, I used to have to go to d- different liquor stores just so they wouldn't know how much alcohol I was buying, so I'd have to know where they were at. You know, yeah, so no.
1: okay, see, this is good to know. I I thought it was I was because I, I again I would make that judgment our 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 tendency to to even judge ourselves right, and then there's a spiral of like, then that goes into shame and guilt. But being able to have these exchanges, like okay, now I have awareness, like other people connect with looking at alcohol stores or liquor stores Um, now I'm now I can be less inclined to having shame connected to that and I think again that's like the benefit of, of the I am sober community or even anyone any community where people are sharing their experiences like there's so much to be garnered that you can take from that and actually that could serve as a pathway for like healing you know
0: Brene Brown, I don't know if you listen to anything that she says, but The Power of Vulnerability. She's just an amazing author, amazing speaker. Brene Brown mentions when you talk about your shame, you expose it. Shame cannot live in sunlight. Oh, wow. I love that.
1: Shame cannot live in sunlight. I got to write that one down. That's dope. Interesting. Oh, I've heard of her. I have not read any of her books yet.
0: Yeah, Uh, look up on YouTube. She does one about the arena, Renee Brown and the arena. And she's where I got the quote from Theodore Roosevelt about the man in the arena that's become a foundation for my sobriety. So, Yosef, this has been such an amazing conversation and it's even better than I imagined it. And I'm just very, very grateful to you. what would you say to somebody just starting their journey?
1: What would I say to someone just starting their journey? a couple things one have like really get to maybe engage in that exercise about the the the, the why's right like really have some compelling reasons to why you Want to refrain or abstain from alcohol, because I think being clear on that clarity brings power, and when you don't have that clarity, it's easy to if I didn't have that clarity about not wanting to be regarded as a man of my word, I would have easily acquiesced to them encouraging me to have a bite of of the food or or that was having a lack of clarity was what allowed me to acquiesce into Going to Philly and having drinks when I had just had a commitment to with my friend, so I wasn't clear, right? My whys were not were not top of mind, right? I was just. Man. So I would encourage people to just really get clear why. I know for some people, it's, it's they're incentivized because of health, family relationships, how they function.
0: I think a lot of times we're on autopilot too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so I would say one would be the wise. I think another one would be patience, right? And, and And just recognize that it's going to be a process depending on your entry point. Some people, they come in and, you know, saw unicorns and rainbows and other people, it's left turn after left turn, or it's restart after restart. But I think continuing to focus on the, the the horizon and the mission, and allowing whatever time that that may take to to avail. Like, don't expect it to to happen overnight. Like you you might have been drinking for decades. You know, you don't necessarily have to be where you think you're going to be in like three months or six months. It may take months, it may take weeks, but it also could take years. And so I think accepting that from the gate, I think is, is, is serving. And then lastly, I would say grace, man. You know, extend yourself grace. And that's sort of in the patience department, but I, I find it's, as human beings, we have a tendency, at least I can say this within myself, we have a tendency to extend grace, to so much grace to others, and not necessarily extend that to ourselves. And I think we do ourselves a disservice in that regard. But extend yourself grace. Like allow yourself to do this imperfectly. You may not be perfect. Right? You may not go the, one, the 30 days or the 10 days or even the day. Right? And I'm not saying to allow that grace to be a, a, an excuse to go back into the same patterns but cultivate an awareness around where seeing extending yourself that grace however that may translate in the context of the circumstance but i think yeah extending that grace to to ourselves is is definitely an essential ingredient in the process
0: and i i would like to add get involved in sober communities get involved with uh, the people that are fighting the battle because we learn from each other. I've, I've just been learning from you this morning. We yeah. all are learning and getting great tips. And then we find ourselves where we're, we're not alone. And then like you have done, you've journaled in the Sobertown Facebook group with your posts. So we have this like record as jo- Joseph has gone through your journey we see these different little areas where you've had these these inspiring moments of yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So these downloads. We've seen we've been able to see your downloads, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. Well I also wanted to I would love to acknowledge you and and the team that you work with and this with this platform and the work that you guys are doing and your efforts. I think there's so much power in being able to present these ideas, these perspectives to the world. And you just have no idea of how you are benefiting and or impacting people because this, you know, I, I, I listen to podcasts pretty regularly and I'm often just just gathering insights and perspectives and all of that is like, that's what we are. We're, we're a bundle of downloads, if you will, right?
0: <laughs> right.
1: But this, I mean, if you if you think about all of the information that we're being bombarded with, this message right here, of the, this 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 idea or this principle or the principles that are part of the discussion of sobriety, is probably one of the most important conversations that are that that can be had in 2023. So for you guys to have put this platform together and and create a vehicle for others to be able to be benefited and not even know how, not even necessarily having a full appreciation of the impact that you're having on people. Because it could just be one, one conversation and one podcast that somebody hears that could serve as a catalyst for them turning their lives around. So you guys are like in a sort of thankless it, thankless in that regard right just by not being able to get like accurate feedback or having a, a full appreciation of the impact of your efforts but i'm i'm thanking you i think Thank it's you. phenomenal work and i'm 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 inspired by what you guys are doing i think is i think it's phenomenal and you know and,
0: we just went i just went to a sober meetup and i you know we hear back here and there a little bit but I really had to jerk back emotional tears. We were sitting on a porch in, in Asheville in Arclight, who she's on the I Am Sober, she's in this I Am Sober community. Yeah, yeah. She I'm was awesome. there at that that meetup. And I I didn't know who she was, and I'd never met her. And we were sitting there, and then she turns around and tells me that she had listened to a Sobertown podcast, the sober baddies with Elaine and Sarah, who are also from the I am sober community. And then then Elaine, which is East Guy on in IAS, had her email address on there and Ark Light emailed Elaine. And Elaine got with her in are in different states. And you know, Arc Light was even having a hard time getting through Walmart without purchasing alcohol. And Arclight just got eight months the other day from connecting yeah. with SoberTown, And she was telling me this, and I wasn't expecting it. And I'm like, you know, try not to like, my heart is almost like bursting with happy tears, you know, and I'm trying to like uh-huh. suck in that emotion. So sometimes we do get to hear, And it's really, you know, we do this out of our hearts. Everybody here that does all of this, we, you know, we volunteer our time. But we're building SoberTown. And my brother died in addiction. So we're in the battle for real. It's killing people. And uh, and that's that's why I'm in the fight. But I graciously thank you, Joseph. I graciously thank you. And thank you for sharing all of this on Silvertown. And I hope we do more with you too. I really do. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely, man. And and please utilize me if I'm if I can be a support in any way to your initiative and your endeavors. I think it's great, man. So I would definitely love to to be able to be of service in any way that I could.
0: Well, when we hang up right here in a few minutes, I'm going to get with you and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it, man. Let's do it. Thank you, everybody. And thank you, Yosef. Thank you, everybody, for joining the Silvertown podcast. And boom, have an amazing day.